You're listening to the Winsight Podcast Network. Increase covers, not costs. It's time to level up with Talk, the restaurant industry's leading reservation platform. Join today using promo code RESTAURANTS3 for three months free off of your base subscription. Terms and conditions apply. Go to jointalk.com slash podcast. That's jointalk.com slash podcast. How will the latest round of layoffs affect McDonald's? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business. And in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I am joined by Michael Halen, an analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence. Mike joins me this week to talk about big publicly traded restaurant chains, particularly the big burger concepts. McDonald's recently laid off less than 1,000 workers in the United States, despite otherwise strong performance at the chain. We talk about those layoffs and what they mean to the company and its performance. We also talk about McDonald's rival Burger King, which has struggled this year as some big franchisees in the brand have filed for bankruptcy and at least one other has mass closed a large number of restaurants. We talk about why the company is struggling and uh, what kind of impact Patrick Doyle, the former Domino CEO, will have on that chain's performance. It is a great conversation about hamburger concepts with one of the smartest analysts out there, so please have a listen. All right, I'm here with uh, Mike Halen. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, Mike, tell everybody who you are so I don't have to do it. <laughs> sure, man. Uh, Mike Halen, I am the Senior Restaurant and Food Service Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. I write research on 16 publicly traded restaurant chains, three food service distributors. I also have my own podcast, Chopping It Up, through uh, Bloomberg Intelligence. Yeah, it's an excellent one, too. So a lot of been going, uh, three of these publicly traded names uh, have had some things go on lately in the burger business in particular. And I wanted to focus a little bit on this. You know, the first one I want to talk about is uh, uh, a name that you might know called McDonald's. What do you make of what's been going on there? They went in this week. They started uh, they closed their corporate offices temporarily. It started. I mean, they they announced this reorganization plan in early January uh, and have been working on it ever since at a time when things are going really, really well. In fact, McDonald's has been been hitting the system with change after change after change really for the last year and a half. What do you make of of, of this latest round? Uh, and is there any risk for McDonald's? Do you see that? Yeah. You know, when they first announced it, uh, it was a little bit of a head scratcher, right? Because I'm, I'm kind of like in the camp of if it, if it ain't broke, don't fit. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the three-year stack same-store sales were up 25.1%. Uh, in the fourth quarter, absolutely knocking the cover off the ball. You know, by, by comparison, their peers were in the uh, you know mid to high teens. So, absolutely killing it uh, with the marketing and the sales piece. But they have been very open about um, you know their concerns about the economy. So, mm-hmm. so for them, they've been saying for uh, you know at least six plus months here that um, a mild to a moderate recession in the U.S. is the base case, uh, and that that Europe is going to be significantly worse. So, you know, to me, that was that, that jibes, right. With, with some of the job cuts, um, that, that they're talking about, you know, that being said, I'd much rather be 
laid off face to face and in person, man. I, I don't know if that's just like a sign of the times with, you know, this Zoom culture and the telecommuting, but uh, it's not something I, I really think employees appreciate. Yeah, you know, that's um, the, the, the reaction to that has been has has been pretty overwhelmingly negative. Uh, everything that that I can tell. And I mean, Zoom firings have have been increasingly common. And, yeah. and I, I think that Bloomberg wrote a, a nice piece on that uh, in particular. And, you know, Zoom firings have become increasingly common. They're very common in the tech space. But I think the difference I mean, the first off, I mean, the tech space, you kind of expect to, you know, that they're going to do something like that because they're, you know, it's a, a, a technology culture. I mean, you know, McDonald's operates in what Chris Kemshinsky himself calls a people business. Yeah. I mean, that's those are words he uses. And yet, you know, and I know what they they say that the reason why they did this is to give people privacy. But come on. At the end of the day, you're 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 firing people over Zoom. You got to give people the option, or at least of of or do something. You know, like you know, let them come in and and clean out their office and and things like that. It's uh, you know that's that is kind of harsh for for a company that calls itself a people business. It is a people business. It is the you know it's the hospitality business, and it's especially for how hard it is has been for employees in in the restaurant business both on the front line as well as corporate right i mean it's been a really difficult 3 years so not even giving people the common courtesy to to do this in person i i think it's a bad look i think it's bad for morale i think it's you know what does it tell the people that that don't get laid off right like do they really care about me right so um yeah i i, I I, I disagree with it. I, I think it's a very bad look and I'm not sure how great it is for them moving forward. Right. Yeah. You know, that said, I will, I will say this. I, my view generally is like at the end of the day, I don't know that there's any good way to lay people off. And I still believe that the bigger issue to me is that the layoffs are happening at a time when McDonald's is doing very well. I know what they say about the economy, but theoretically McDonald's should do better in an economy like this. They're, you know, I mean, the people that are, you know, the people that have any, every reason not to, 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 to cut back are the franchisees. Oh, those guys are the ones that their cash flows down a hundred thousand dollars last yeah. year uh, per unit. Now it's coming off of record levels, but you're still looking at a, a significant one year cash flow decline, you know, and I'll say franchisees believe, uh, well, two things, uh, franchisees believe, that they have to pick up the slack for what the company is going to cut. And, yeah. and that, this is a point that I've made because a lot of, I've, I've heard um, from people that, you know, you know, that maybe this is a response to, you know, franchisees are angry. So they're cutting back at the corporate level to, you know, but franchisees hate this. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The words they were using, I, I can't really repeat. They really, really, really hate it. Um, and, I know that some of the franchisees have been been hiring people that are being laid off. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, on one hand, they, they get to pick up some talent from the company, but it, you know, to them, their view. So, I mean, to the morale question and franchisee morale is already really low, remarkably low. And, you know, you know, this is not doing things well, you know, that's, this isn't doing that good at all. Yeah, whatsoever. 
It's yeah. I'd imagine the first thing that they think of is like my level of service is going to go down. It's going to be harder for me to get somebody on the phone. It's going to be harder uh, to get answers to questions I have and, and whatever support I need. And, and immediately that would be my first concern if I was a franchisee. Yeah. So now that's a, do you think that, I mean, do you think that they stand to do real well in the coming? I mean, cause we, I mean, it, I mean, we, we do see the economy. I mean, there are a lot of signs that the economy is really, really taking old that really starting to, you know, show some signs of stress. I mean, you know, consumer debt levels last year were really high. Basically credit card debt is now back to pre pandemic levels. We've, you know, younger consumers that are a lot of McDonald's store base, um, are having a tough time paying their bills and things of that nature. Um, do we think, do we still believe that McDonald's is going to win in an environment like this? Uh, I don't know if they're going to win. I think they'll lose less, you know, uh, it, they, they definitely outperformed in the last, you know, recession during the, the, the great recession and, and their scale enables them to do that. Right. They can offer price points that their competitors just can't match. Jack in the box can't sell a dollar hamburger without losing some money. Probably same goes for Wendy's and most of their competitors. They just have that immense scale. And, and so, you know, we've seen it. Um, they've been talking about it for the last quarter as well. Right. Like, they're seeing some some trade down from the meals to the value menu. You know, units per transaction are down, but they're accumulating more low income consumers right now. They're they're actually gaining share with that cohort. So even though they ha- their their customer base is, is trading down a bit, they're they're gaining customers. So um, that scale puts them in in a better position than most. Uh, that being said, they've raised their prices and a lot. Over the last three years, a lot of it has been out of necessity. 2020, I think that the price increases by QSR was, was just uh, taking advantage of, of a, a great situation where, where a huge swath of their competitors were uh, put at a massive disadvantage, right? But uh, in 21 and 22, it, it was really out of necessity. And, uh, you know, the, these low-income consumers and, and, and increasingly middle-income consumers, I think, are, are going to struggle. And, and really, to your points, right, like, Consumer credit uh, was at all-time highs in the fourth quarter. It's a quarterly metric, so we'll find out about this March number. But I'd venture to guess that we're there. We've made nice all-time highs. I think there was 202 million credit cards opened in the fourth quarter last year. So that's how consumers are dealing with inflation right now. They're they're opening credit cards and and they're driving up their credit card balances. And with you know average credit card rates around 20 percent, this is not a sustainable place. It's not. You know, uh, this is not, you know, look like consumer spending can, can keep up the pace that it has over the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's um, that that's that's kind of a key point. We've been wondering what what's been going on. A lot of it, stimulus, <laughs> a lot of stimulus. I mean, you know, uh, the, I, one of the last ones to come off is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, soon loan payments are going to have to start being made again in May. And, and we think that's going to be a big one, especially in QSR, right? 18 to 34 is that prime cohort you know and and they have a nice chunk of of um college loans they need to pay back so uh once those payments come back we'd assume that would that would hit qsr oh yeah yeah I, that's uh that's actually a really good point i mean the industry we we tend to forget about this but the the restaurant industry you know in in late 2020 in 2021 was was really a beneficiary, and especially fast food chains that were able to be open because of their drive-throughs, were a real huge beneficiary of that stimulus. Um, that stimulus was a big, big, big deal to the restaurant space and kept people spending 
Um, and which honestly, in many respects, was a good thing. But like at you know, some point, you got to come off that, and um, and people have to readjust. And and then you know you so you have uh, a situation where um, you know that stimulus is basically gone, and, and then you had you know record high. Well, not record. Well, maybe in some some areas, but we we have generationally high inflation that you hadn't seen in forty years, um, and consumers were stretched. I mean, that's what happened. You know, that's why we see so much. You know, that that debt levels. I mean, people were were really stretching. Eventually, they're going to have to come off that and really start looking at how often they're going out. And I I always maintain that restaurants. People love eating at restaurants. That that is always a base case scenario. It's a, they love it. Restaurants are great, but it's still something that they can cut out. Yeah. And when you start cutting your spending, that is one area because you you, know, you do have to eat, but you're going to start cutting how much you eat out. And I think that's probably inevitable and it's going to make things a little bit tougher for a lot of concepts as this year goes on. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, like I mentioned, we've seen some of this trade down, you know, We've seen, you know, some of the companies that we cover, I've mentioned that, that people mm-hmm. seem to be eating at the grocery store more. So, you know, the grocery, the, the, you know, packaged food companies and the grocery stores raise their prices a lot quicker and more aggressively than restaurants, uh, at the beginning of this. But I, I think restaurants are trying to catch up last year and they'll probably catch up a bit this year, uh, as well, which, you know, isn't necessarily a, a good thing as the, as that you know, price gap, uh, increases, you know, that's never a good thing for restaurants. So, uh, yeah, man, we, we, we expect consumers to, to kind of, to pull back a bit. I mean, you know, if you look at the bottom quartile, you know, who is, is obviously leans on QSR very, very, very much for, you know, their eating habits, you know, their debt levels are higher than they were pre pandemic. Right. So whatever bump they got from the stimulus, that's been taken away through all of this inflation that we've seen. Right. And so with higher rent costs and, higher food costs and, and everything else, gas and electric, uh, gasoline for a stretch there, you name it. It's, it's really, it's really hurt consumer balance sheets. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I actually have a theory that that's one of the problems at Domino's is a low income consumer. Cause I think that they, they have traditionally, you know, for, you know, that, that is a pretty big core uh, of their customer base. Yeah. And that the reason why we saw delivery fall, to the extent that it did at Domino's, and we didn't necessarily see it at company at, 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 at third-party delivery to the same extent. We didn't. There was a very difference in opinion, a very different commentary between those two groups. And I believe that it's because of the customer base that Domino's really were were hit. I mean, the gas prices hammered that low-income consumers last year. That was a huge reason why we saw some weakness at Domino's. I will be, I will forever say that. I think um, you're right. I yeah. think you're right. I've been covered. I've covered that longer than any other restaurant stock. It was the first restaurant stock I picked up back in uh, 2012, and uh, since 2012, their customers make are making fifty thousand dollars or less a year. You know that might be uh, adjusted a little bit higher with inflation now over the last decade. But uh, but yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So um, you know, I'm sure their college kids are still still ordering away, but their low income consumers, without a doubt, are are suffering. And and I think that's why you're seeing you're seeing such a big shift to carry out at that chain because it's just that much cheaper. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it is cheaper. That's the thing. It's, 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 uh, you know, I don't order delivery and part, partly, well, because I, I'm a control freak 
and I don't like having, I just, I, I want to, I, I just want to go get it myself and I don't want some other person giving too yeah. much, you know, so I just go and get it myself, but it's also cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, I want to ask about, because <laughs> one company that is traditionally focused on low income consumers is Burger King. And that is to me a lesson in man, I, I don't even sometimes I don't even know. And I, I, I do believe that they have potential to, to, to improve, especially, um, some of their better franchisees, but man, that's going to be a, that's going to be a long-term fix. I do not envy Patrick Doyle and Tom Curtis whatsoever with that one. That has been, you've been, you've, you've followed this industry for a long time and like, Somebody was pointing out to me, just name another big restaurant chain that has had over the last 15 years, the most more franchisees in trouble, a large scale non-Quiznos type brand or Subway, I guess. Yeah. These days. But like, and and try to name another one. And I, I honestly can't, you know, they've had just periodically, they just have, they, they have major issues with their franchisee base and they're, you know, I mean, what do you make of what's going on there? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a tough stretch in the United States. I mean, overseas, they've done great. Oh, they're they're killing it overseas. Absolutely killing it. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not sure if, if the product's different, I don't, I'm not sure. Or if it's like, you know, the fact that there's less competition out there maybe is, is, uh, overseas is, is, is something. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it seems that that marriage between the private equity funds and, and strong operators in each country uh, seems to be working pretty well for them. But yeah, U.S. has been a struggle. And, you know, uh, Patrick Doyle, we were talking about Domino's. He's he's a rock star. And, and I, I think he's a great addition to the board there. And, and he has a lot to share. Um, you know, it's going to take some heavy lifting to your point. Um, you know, I think the, the 400 million Reclaim the Flame uh, you know, the 400 million of, of corporate dollars that are going to be, you know, infused into the system over the next two years to, to help kind of boost growth off, off the start is is a good, very good start. I think it gives the franchisees some some confidence that, you know, they really do want to help us. They really do, you know, are encouraging us to, to invest in, in our assets. But, you know, to your point, I, I, you know, from where I sit, I I, I think there's a kind of a problem with, uh, I think food quality and food quality perception there. And, and, uh, I was surprised that none of the analysts asked that, uh, on the last, uh, investor call, right. Because Patrick, uh, navigated that, that huge turnaround at Domino's back in 2009 by going out and saying, yeah, our food sucks and we didn't, we haven't done a good job, but we're going to make it better. Right. And, um, maybe he sees an opportunity to do there that, uh, at Burger King as well, but it seemed like everybody kind of tiptoed around that topic. Patrick and the team at, at Burger King did not talk about the, the quality, the sell side seemed, uh, didn't want to, they didn't really want to broach that subject. I guess they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you know, from, from where I sit, I think the quality is the issue. You know, if you, t- I, I haven't, you know, I haven't had Burger King in a while, uh, growing up, I loved the Whopper man. Uh, you know, Whopper was a, was a fantastic, uh, food item. Um, but if you talk to my nieces and my nephews and it's like, if I, if I asked them if they wanted to hit up Burger King, man, they'd look at me like I had three heads, you know? Yeah. 
I, you know, that's a, that's a great point. You know, I, I mean, cause I, I remember the call and, and Patrick was, was pretty much, we've got the Whopper and they don't was, well, I mean, you know how many times I've heard them say they're going to focus on the Whopper? Um, I mean, <clears throat> a million. It, that's it. And it goes back years, you know, I mean, that and we're going to, you know, the two things that, that we hear that we've heard at Burger King over and over and over and over and over again is we're going to focus on the Whopper and we're going to improve franchisee profitability. You know, it, like, OK, all right. I, I, I get it. Like they, you know, they they were saying in 2019 that they were going to focus on franchisee profitability. Franchisee profitability Burger King's down 20 percent since then. I know that there was a pandemic going on between them, but, you know, they've. Their their issue is that they have spent so much time discounting their products. Their discount levels at Burger King have always been really high. And and it was supposed to be when the 3G guys came in, they were supposed to fix that. That was one thing that they were going to fix and that they were going to 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 move beyond that and move towards a more a better option. And then they just sort of kept falling back on to discounts. And it caused them. I mean, it almost put uh, it almost put Carol's into bankruptcy. Yeah, a thousand unit franchisee into bankruptcy before the pandemic. <laughs> you know, these problems were before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, they had these issues. This is not. You know, and then you know, and then they decided. You know, you know, then they created their chicken sandwich, and their chicken sandwich. If you talk to people who rate, they had arguably the best chicken sandwich. It was really good. It was, I was really good. It was a really good chicken sandwich. It was a monumental failure. It was one of the worst marketing failures in, in recent history in the fast food business. It was so much harder. It, you know, it, it added so much complexity, yeah. you know, to, to the kitchen. And that was really the killer because, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, these, these stores aren't generating high AUVs and they're, they're running with skeleton crews. Right. And so it makes a, a hand breaded in store uh, chicken sandwich, a real, real issue when it comes to operations. So yeah, that wasn't handled well, uh, unfortunately, but yeah, that was a great product, man. I, I, we did some, I did some, uh, with my, you know, me and my son, we, we hit up McDonald's and Wendy's and, uh, Burger King and you know it's no Popeyes but it was it was really good man it was really good it's yeah. a shame it didn't work out right I mean you took a you took a brand that had you had franchisees that were not making that much money and um you and you know when you, you know what happens what when you when you're not making you know the the you know when you're not generating the volumes when you're not generating the profits you know your franchisees have to cut back that's basically it and, you know, and then it just kind of, it, it, you know, it, it really snowballs, you know, and, um, I think that's sort of what, what's happened with Burger King. And then they could not operate that. I don't, I think I don't, you know, any brand would have had a tough time operating yeah. a sandwich like that. Yeah. Look at McDonald's and, and how much, you know, all day breakfast did for them, you know, when they were starting their comeback back in 2016 and, you know, they're like, Never again. It was too much yeah. of a pain in the ass. So, yeah, so, yeah it's important, man. And I, I think you made a great, great point that I want to get back to is the discounting, right? When you, when you perpetually discount, you're devaluing your brand, you're training, you're training your, your customer base that this brand is not, this item is not what you're charging for it, and they're not going to come back unless they have a coupon. So it's just, it's just a really tough cycle to get, get yourself into. And 
Um, I think it goes back to what I said at the top is like, you, you have to, you have to improve the quality of the, of the food and give, you know, give people the, an idea that, that there is some quality and it is worth maybe paying full price for. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, you, 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 I think you're right. I mean, step, you, you have to take some steps to improve the quality of the food, but perception of quality matters. And, um, you know, that was the issue with the discounts is that, you know, they spent so much time discounting their food that, you know, people started to look at it as a discount chain. That's Subway's problem, actually. <laughs> That's yeah. been Subway's problem historically, is that they spent so much time uh, uh, discounting their their sandwiches that they couldn't increase the prices. It was a, you know, it was a real problem for them. Um, you know, and then they had to say it's, and, and you look at how long it's, and they're still dealing with it. You know, and they've spent years and years and years trying to get break out from that. They're still, they are still trying to break free from the $5 foot long and it's yeah. been gone for a decade. And well, I if think you look at some of the best turnarounds over the last, you know, five, 10 years, it's also started with the food. I mean, you look at yep. Domino's, uh, you look at, uh, Outback Steakhouse and Bloomin', um, you know, a lot of these chains, they address the food and, and uh, Chipotle, there's Chipotle coming out of the, the E. coli scare, right? Um, they were doing a lot of discounting and they had to get back to, to talking about the quality of the food and the freshness. And, and um, you know, to me, the best, most lasting turnarounds have all started with the food. It's not, it's not a, you know, it's a tough business, but it's not rocket science, right? It's like good food, good service and, and, and a solid, you know, atmosphere and, and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's basically, you have to have a really good, good, uh, product. And if you, if you, if you don't have that, um, or your consumers think, uh, you don't have a good product, you're, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. So, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what Patrick does over there. I, you know, I have as much respect for him as, as anybody. Nah, he's um, he's a great guy. Can. He's a great, he was a great CEO. I think if, if anybody can help them, you know, make progress, it, it, it's Patrick Doyle. So, uh, you know, I, I wish them nothing but luck over there for sure. Yeah. If he can't, they're, they're in a lot more trouble than we thought. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mike, this was great. Really appreciated you joining me this week on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimmy Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you find your fancy listening shows. I am Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. covers, not costs. It's time to level up with Talk, the restaurant industry's leading reservation platform. Join today using promo code RESTAURANTS3 for three months free off of your base subscription. Terms and conditions apply. Go to jointalk.com slash podcast. That's jointalk.com slash podcast.